Welcome to episode 30 by Fika with Rise. This week I meet Frank Shamrock, the legend, a mixed martial artist from the US, entrepreneur and philanthropist. Frank was the first one to hold the UFC middleweight championship and retired as the four time defending undefeated champion and the number one UFC fighter in the world during his reign. He was named fight of the decade during the 1990. A super inspiring episode for anyone. An episode that really moved me. You don't need to know anything about martial arts to really appreciate this episode. It's filled with inspiring tips that you can take use of already today. Let's get this Fika started. This is Frank's story. Let's go. Hello, Frank. Welcome to Fika with Rice. I'm so, so excited to have you on the show. Uh, Frank, the legend, Shamrock, is a mixed martial artist from the U.S., entrepreneur and philanthropist. Frank was the first one to hold the UFC middleweight championship and retired as the four-time defending undefeated champion and the number one ranked UFC fighter in the world during his reign. He was named the fighter of the decade during the 1990s. And I want to start this episode with some rapid-fire questions, Frank. It's a tradition here at Vika with Rice. It goes like this. I'll make a statement, and then you'll finish the sentence. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Fantastic. Okay. If I could go back to my 20-year-old self, I would tell him... Strengthen your core. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> okay. The biggest mistake I made when I was young was... I didn't ask enough questions. When I grew up, my biggest dream was... I wanted to be a world champion. The most common mistake grappling beginners make. They don't breathe. They're just going through these really easily, Frank. Yeah, they don't breathe. And taught martial arts for 25 years. It's the exact same thing. Nobody breathes and then they continue on in their life and no one breathes in their life. And then they're all stressed out. I need to dig deep on this. <laughs> Is that something <laughs> that was a late realization that you just realized like when you became older or was this something that when you were 22, you were like, well, nobody breathes. Uh, I learned it when I was 20, probably about 22, when I first started training martial arts because I didn't know anything about martial arts or sports or anything. And I just walked into a dojo and started training. I just started noticing that when you breathe, you create more energy. And I, I went down the study of breath which is how much breathing is, you know, controls our life, our moods, our emotion. Like, you know, when we're babies, we breathe with 100% of our lungs. By the time we're in our 30s, we're down to, you know, 20, 30% capacity if we're not an athlete. So just the fact of breathing, breathing properly, and especially in martial arts, if you want to create energy, be energy, move energy, it starts and ends with a breath. And nobody teaches you that in martial arts. And they should. I agree. I agree. On a side note, I just read a book a few months ago. Can't remember the first name because there are so many grazes out there. It's called Breathe or Breath. Oh, yeah. Is that Hickson's? Yes, Rickson Gracie. Yeah, I think I saw um, that. It, and it's amazing, you know, how he used breathing to literally like level up his game and level up his life, you know, so to speak. Yeah. It, it is because it's also the basis of good meditation and relaxation. So if you don't have control of your breath, you don't have control of your mind, you don't have control of your heart. And, and literally the systems just kind of, you know, break down anytime it's under stress. So yeah, it's, uh, and for me, the breathing came from the technical side because I was like, wow, this creates air and energy. And then once I, you know, would try to sleep at night, knowing there's a, a cage fight tomorrow, the breathing became a tool to, you know, calm my energies and to, you know, deeper my meditation and control over my own mind. But in the beginning, it was 
creating energy. Did somebody teach you about meditation and breathing before like a cage fight? Did they no, ask sad, no? Sadly, in my era, there was there was no knowledge. So <laughs> no, I was a 22-year-old man standing backstage and watching grown men do no rules cage fighting in the early yeah. USC. And I thought, this is absolutely crazy. There's no regulation. These guys were not athletes. They were bare knuckle slugging each other. And I was seeing the after effects. I was in the locker rooms. So I was seeing the guys come back with their faces, you know, flayed apart and just broken. And I was like, this is horrible. And uh, I swore I would never do it. But I also knew that that's where the evolution of sport was going. So I knew at some point I would be doing that most likely. And that was something I did never, ever wanted to do or thought about doing. So it took a long time for me to accept that, bring that energy to a controllable state, sleep at night, be comfortable in my own skin. All that came through just self-exploration, breathing, meditation. Nobody teaches it. They all should. I'm sure they do now that the sport's developed and they have, you know, coaches for that. But yeah, I would go to my locker room, check in, go to my room, meditate, sleep for an hour, wake up, stretch, warm up, fight my fight and go home. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Because I, I was a soldier on a mission and it was incredibly risky and dangerous. Uh, and all the tools were there to make it so that I could perform and, you know, be comfortable. I've been reading a lot and apparently the samurais were very, very big and deep into meditation. Here's the thing. Most people will never risk their life. So they'll never know what it takes mentally to get in that state. Firefighters do it. Cops do it. People don't do it. People that experience that, they instantly jump to the next level because their brains open up. Yeah. People that consciously go into those situations, <laughs> they either are prepared or they get broken, you know, or they yeah. don't make it. And I, I had my moment in um, 1998 where I honestly thought I was going to die while fighting. I was like, oh, this is it. I'm going to die. And I'd never had that thought before. I never considered it, never entered my mind. Um, in that moment, I was like, this is the moment. And most people look away and they go, oh, this is it. And I went, nope, never going to happen to me. And I got up and, it, and I ended up knocking them out, winning. But just the mental shift, it took that mental yeah. shift of me, of me looking at it and going, all right, this is where I'm going to die. And then me going, I'm not going to die today. And stepping over that, you know, edge. Uh, most people will never make the step. So they just, yeah, it's, this is unfortunate. Um, but meditation, breathing, training, uh, visualization, all those tools are the mechanics so that I can go do the stuff. Without those mechanics, I'd just be a scared, you know, abused kid out there trying to do my thing. Who did you fight just by Karosti in 1998 oh, oh. when this happened? That was uh, Ensign Inouye. Um, okay. And that was actually my qualifier fight to be in the UFC. So the winner of that fight would then go on to fight the um, for the middleweight championship. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it's either I turned away and then I lost and and that was the end of my career. Or I decided I was going to risk my life and go for it. And yeah. my career went the other direction. The most common mistake martial artists make? You know, I would say the most common mistake martial artists make is they stop learning. I've That's heard it. that a lot too. 
once they get their yeah. black belt, they're like, they, they, they start to breathe and they're like, okay, I made it, so to speak. But yeah, you know, and then they don't think a, about all the other people behind them that want to submit them. Yeah, it's a weird thing. And I, I figured it out when I became a champion and I had a great coach. It was, you know, I came with the belt and I was all happy and excited and celebrating. And he sat me down and he said, great. Now the work begins. I go, what do you, what do you mean? Because now you're the champ. Everyone in the world is studying you and watching you. Yeah. They're all coming for you. It's like, now you don't rest. Now you train. I was like, oh no, but that's the reality. You get to the top and, and then you prepare. The best advice I received was. Be truthful. Who told you that? My adopted. I don't, I don't Yes, yeah, my I adopted was going to say that yeah. you adopted. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, do you remember probably. how old you were when they told you this? 13 years old. You know, I was in a group home. I'd, I'd been in tons of trouble. So I was in my, you know, last group home before youth prison. And yes. Bob was a, you know, well-known figure for turning boys around. So I ended up at his boys ranch. And I gave him my, you know, sob story and my song and dance and all the other, you know, half-truth uh, stories that I'd worked up at that age. And uh, he just looked at me right in the eye and he said, yeah, we don't, we don't do lies and bullshit. And he never cursed. So he was like, this was big for him to say bullshit. <laughs> he goes, we don't know. He goes, that's it. You won't be successful without the truth. That's what he told me. You won't be successful without the truth. And I said, okay. And I didn't listen, went to prison, screwed my life up, did everything he told me not to do, but he stuck by my side. And when I got out, I followed everything he told me and been truthful ever since. I have a few questions about that, but I have a, mm -hmm. I have a last one for the rapid yeah, fire. Yeah. It's my advice yeah. to all 18 year olds out there. Get into martial arts. Doesn't matter which one. Do you have a... Doesn't matter. It's not about the art. It's about the, the community and the culture and the, the lessons and what it does for you inside personally. It's not about the art. It doesn't matter what you study. It's about the process of developing yourself with other people in a community that is on a similar mission. That's what life's about. That's what everything's about. Um, I literally got out of prison when I was 22 years old. I didn't have one person in this world, not one soul, except for Bob Shamrock. And, you know, martial arts became my entire community around the world. Millions of people. Mm -hmm because I was on a mission and we all shared the same ideas and concerns and thoughts and, and we're on the same journey. From that <clears throat> journey, I have a family and a community and millions of people. And, um, you know, before that I was in prison. So uh, it's the only thing that I know that will give you that community, that, that texture and that self-development of what you want. Everything I wanted, I've accomplished everything, period, end of story, everything I've ever written down in a notebook, journal, wish, dream, I've accomplished it and I've accomplished it because of martial arts. What would you tell to those 18 year olds that want to try martial arts, they're listening right now to, to Fika would rise, they want to try, they're excited, but they're afraid. They have a lot of fear yeah. inside, like yeah. especially a lot of young boys, I mean, both young boys and girls, like, well, I might get hurt, I don't know, I'm not fit, et cetera, and et cetera. Doesn't matter. Whatever you like, uh, what I tell everybody is find something you're interested in. If you like swords, if you like knuckles, I, whatever, you, whatever your vibe is, and you may have to try a bunch of them and go check them out. Uh, mm -hmm. Here's what I can say to all those boys. I've never had the courage to walk into a martial arts school, and I'm one of the baddest motherfuckers on the planet. 
takes a lot of courage to go do it. Yeah. And it takes take something special inside. Like you got to be going, hmm, I need something here. It's a place where you'll find it. That's all I can say. Wow, that's deep, Frank. Like, because it's true. You're one of the, you know, the baddest people on earth, you know. And you're saying that you didn't have the courage to go to a martial art martial arts uh, school or gym. Nope. It takes a bit of courage, but it will change your life. And if you don't like it, go to another school. Because people that teach martial arts, they really care about people's development. They care about people. They want them to learn this important knowledge. It's touched their life and it's a pass on. So, uh, and then here's what I do. If you can't afford martial arts, my mom would have never been able to put me in martial arts ever. Like it just wasn't a thing. So I tell everybody, you can't afford martial arts, show up with a broom, show up with a rag and explain that you'll do anything to learn that craft. And nine times out of 10, that man will let you in his gym and let you clean and let you start learning because he knows how important it is because that's what I would do. Yeah. But you got to want it and you got to show up and you got to clean some toilets. (laughs) I cleaned a lot of toilets. When I started, I was the beating boy and the bag boy. So because I had all these muscles in prison, they liked to beat me up because I was strong. (laughs) So they would try all the techniques on me, beat me like a toy. And then I would go clean all the gear, clean all the mats and clean the dojo. That's how I started. Oh, wow. That happened after you came out? Yeah. From prison? Yeah, because when I came out, we were in the um, Pancras system. And Pancras is a traditional Japanese dojo. So you start as a young boy. And young boys serve. You don't do anything but serve until you become more than a young boy. And that's when your first fight happens. So for eight months, I was a young boy. I got beaten every day. I got to the gym early. I opened. I cleaned the gym. I massaged all the fighters. I wiped everyone's down. I cleaned all the gear. I cleaned the gym and I closed the gym. Oh, wow. Every day for eight months. What did that teach you about life? You know, it taught me the value of it. I would have, if, if I would have just walked in there and been given all of that, they would have had no value to me. That's why I tell people, if you go on this journey, you'll, you'll find it. Because mm. I, I realized how valuable it was. It wasn't given to me. I was beaten. And when I asked questions, yeah. I was beaten. I was like, what about this? They're like, nope, you don't ask questions. And I had to learn that, oh, I'm just here to figure it all out. That's what we're doing in life. In that type of environment, where you have someone looking out for you that cares for you and is guiding you. That's what it's about. Didn't you ever feel like, well, I mean, why am I doing this? Like in month four or five, whatever, Frank, you know what, what is this? I'm just showing up. Everybody's beating me up. I'm feeling like shit. You know, this is like, why am I doing this even? You know, my life sucks. Yeah. But it it sucked before, you know, I I was in prison for three and a half years. Um, Okay. Before that. So this was like better or. It was better. Yeah. Wow, so it was better. Okay. Better than yeah. being in prison. I mean, you know, prison sucks. You don't get, you know, you beat up all the time, but you know, there's violence and it's unpleasant. This was way better, you know. And then I also knew, you know, so yeah, by then I was 22. Mm-hmm. I have 23 felony convictions. I had been incarcerated at that time for about 10 years. So my prospects for a successful life and career were very, very low. In fact, if yes. you look at my if you look at my sheet now, it's very, very low because I just I was a terrible criminal and I paid for it. Um, so I didn't have anything. 
I knew I didn't have anything, literally had nothing. And then I also had a young son. And I thought, how am I going to provide for my son when I have nothing, have screwed my life up, and I can't even get a job? Yeah. So, you know, fighting was, was all there was. What did being in prison teach about life? And what did you do in prison to keep your <laughs> mind sharp and healthy? Well, the first thing is, when I went to prison, I still didn't believe it was all happening. And I thought I could talk my way out of it. That's what had happened all the other times when I was a kid. But when I went to prison, it was all different. And it was clear I wasn't going to get out in, until three and a half years had passed. And that was if I was good. So it was the first time in my life where I had real consequences for the actions I had done. And when there was, you know, a, a timetable on it, like, great, you'll get out in three and a half years. Good luck. And yeah. it was the first, like, you know, time I was alone with myself. First time I had to, you know, explore who I was, where I wasn't living on the streets and surviving and doing weird, crazy stuff. And I sat down, I realized I totally screwed my life up. There was people, you know, a couple of people who did care for me. And in particular, there was one man who loved me and cared for me, Bob Shamrock, and who was guiding me and giving me advice. And so I just started following all the advice he had told me, you know, over the years, you know, lift weights, make yourself strong, build your mind, you know, go to school. I went to college in prison and it was like me and one other dude <laughs> in college classes. Um, Cause I really was like, hmm, I screwed my life up mm -hmm. and it's just what I want to do. And what made it, what made it crystal clear was I was standing on the yard, looking out at the prison yard and all my homies walked by. All the kids I was on the streets with, every kid I knew, <laughs> they're like, hey, Frank, I'm like, oh, my God, this is how it happens. And then you're in this system for the rest of your life. And so I just went, that can't be me. I'm not going to do that. And I changed my mind. Did you meet Bob during your prison time or was it before? Uh, before, yeah. I met him when I was um, almost 13. And okay, I, I, I was see. at Yeah, I was at his group home for probably a year and a half or so. Mm -hmm. Then I got in more trouble, more trouble, and just kept carrying on. But he always stayed as a mentor and as a father figure. And he was, okay, so during your prison time, he was still giving you advice, so to speak. And yep. he was the one telling you that you need to be going to college. And that's something that you can do to stay, keep your mind healthy and keep it, like basically saving your own, your own self. Yeah. Yeah. He told me to, you know, build yourself up, make yourself strong, build your mind, body, and spirit. So that's what I did. Uh, I, uh, it was the mm -hmm. first time I'd really spent alone with myself and I, you know, speaking of 18 year olds, spend some time alone with yourself because I didn't know who I was until I sat with myself for a year or so. And then I was like, Oh wow, this is who I really am. And then what I did to change it is I literally wrote down all the things that I was. And I took a manila folder and I opened it up and all the things that I was, I wrote down on the left-hand side. I was a criminal and I was a cheat and I was a scumbag and I was a lousy dad and I was a drug addict and I was all these terrible things. And then on the right-hand side, I wrote down all the things that I was going to become and what all my dreams were. And car I carried that manila folder with me from every prison mm -hmm. and every cell and everything that I did to fill that back page and make those dreams come true, I put in that folder. So when I went to college, I put my grades and all my stuff in the folder, all my weightlifting routines, all my stuff that I was doing to build up my body, I put in the folder. And by the end of three and a half years, that folder was enormous. 
with all the things that I had done for myself. And then I looked at it when I got out and I was like, do I still want to be all those bad things that I was before? Or do I want to be this person on the right-hand side? And I chose that guy. And I decided I'd do whatever it took to do it, including fighting in a cage and everything else. I love that system that you created, Frank. Was that something that Bob taught you that, hey, Frank, you need to be going like, in your in yourself tonight you need to be doing this and this you need to be writing down what you are what you want to become you need to be keeping a log of your training routine or where did this come from like this this discipline i'm kind of a nerd and i like to i like to write and i like to read and my my brain works uh, very mechanically i can see things when people describe them in mechanical processes like my brain can literally see it i just started writing and reading and my brain just started you know, expanding and getting more useful. Unfortunately, there's nobody there to teach this stuff and nobody was guiding it. But when you're alone, you kind of fall into some of this stuff. Like you go, hmm, why do I feel this way? Oh, we should think about that. Oh, let's go over there. And so there was a lot of that just self-realization, like, oh, this is how I really am. And this is how I really feel. And then what do I do about that? And that, that is where I'd go lift weights and I'd go, you know, sit with guys and go read and go talk. And I'd be like, learn stuff. And, um, yeah, it's just the first time in my life where I got to be with myself and decide what I wanted to be. And then I was doing the work when that moment came along. Cause I was spent three and a half years lifting weights. I spent three and a half years learning. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, I spent like three and a half years. That's a college, you know, education um it is. It is. i took that time in prison how did you get into books frank had had you always been this nerd although you yeah. i mean you were a bad kid super nerd yeah you know i was always crazy smart and i love to read and then we didn't have tv in our house so there wasn't mm -hmm. television it was reading we read or we went outside and we played and i just love to read uh i set the uh, school uh book report record in like the seventh grade or something. I did a hundred book reports, like something ridiculous. And they were just blown away, but I would read two books a day. And a lot of it was because, you know, I had, I had social issues. I didn't get, I couldn't figure out what was going on with people. And mm -hmm. I had too much emotionality and like too much instability. And it's because I had all this abuse and trauma and all these terrible things happened to me, but I never knew it. I just had trouble engaging in, developing, you know, relationships with people. And so I was alone. I'd always spent a lot of time alone and I read and, you know, I was, I was a weird nerdy kid. What would you tell all the 20 year olds out there listening right now, Frank, who has, you know, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, they have this like phone, like in their pockets, basically entertainment 24 hours, 24 hours a day that might not necessarily like feel like they should be reading books because they can just Google a, a book summary and they'll have that like in, in a minute or so. What would you tell them in order to encourage them to read more books? Yeah, there's just something about just reading a book, just consuming it. You know, for me, I grew up in a small farm town. Like I never saw anything but cows and, you know, it was a weird, you know, lived in a, a rural town. So every experience I'd ever had came from a book. Everything that ever happened in my life had ex I'd experienced through a book. 
Now, when I became a champion, I traveled the world and I did all these things. Um, I did all the stuff that's in those books. Here's a difference. It meant so much more to me and felt so vibrant and alive and, and it felt so real in the book. I went to Rome. It felt better in the book. <laughs> I went to, I went to all these places. It's better in the book because the, the written language is the hardest thing to communicate, to write, to write stuff is the hardest thinking there is. And to consume that expands your brain, period. doesn't matter what you consume. If you consume crap, you'll expand your crappy brain. But yeah. if you put good, interesting knowledge in your brain and the book form is very compelling, like it's really gets in there. Um, I agree. So yeah, I say, take a book, you know, be a nerd, take a book. Nerds are going to rule the world. And it's true. Read a book. Yeah. I, I resonate a lot with you, you know, in regards to that, Frank, because I grew up in Sweden. I don't know if you've ever been there, but uh, in Sweden, there are not a lot of immigrants. And I think when I grew up, my parents, they worked in the, in the factory. So basically, it's the, the lowest paying job you can imagine in Sweden back then. And nobody in my family had gone to university, you know, college. Um, and my mom told me when I was young that, you know what, Freddie, like you need to be reading books because that's where you're going to find your mentors and like inspiration because we can't offer that. We don't know like wealthy or successful people who can like give you and teach you the ropes, so to speak. So study well, go to school, but read books because that's where you're going to find basically a lot of inspiration, a lot of, uh, a lot of useful things for life. I literally love to read. And I would read before I'd watch television. Frank, you spoke a little bit about your childhood. You know, I was doing homework before this this show. And you grew up in various foster homes, you know, until you met met Bob. And I watched this incredibly emotional video from Goldcast the other day mm. leading up to this. Uh, I was like, wow, I was showing my wife. I'm like, this is amazing. Showing my team at Absolute Internship. I was like, this guy, like, well, he's going to be, it's going to be an amazing show. Uh, can you tell us for those that haven't heard your story, like how your childhood is what, I know you mentioned a little bit, but how, how was it and how did that really shape you? Because you said you became like an introvert. You didn't know how to build relations and so on. Yeah. I didn't know. I mean, I, when I was a kid, my first memories were just seeing psychiatrists, like seeing, seeing therapists. And I, and I didn't know why I was there. I didn't really know what's going on, but it became quickly apparent that there was something wrong with me. And because every time I went to a new school, I had like a new therapist and it was like a new thing. And there was always some social interaction that was not good. So I remember one time a kid pushed me and I completely freaked out on him and like, you know, jumped him and like kicked his ass, you know, cause I felt threatened and, mm -hmm. but I, I didn't know any of this. I just was reacting. And then when I was 10 years old at my home, I was getting various you know, abuses and weird things were happening to me. But when I was 10, I threw rocks at a train. And in the state of California, that's a felony. So I was arrested when I was 10 years old and taken to juvenile hall. And I was charged with a felony. So when I was 11, I went to juvenile hall and I spent 10 days in juvenile hall when I was 11 years old. And, um, you know, I'd run on the streets and I'd 
heard all the bad kids and I'd heard all the stuff about juvenile hall. So, you know, it's a pretty rough place. But when I went there, everybody was lovely. Everybody was so nice. And so I was talking to all the kids and I'm asking about like how they deal with these things and what's going on in their world. And, and I was shocked that nobody else was being locked in a closet and living in a tool shed and like all these things that were happening to me. And so I went to my counselor and I said, Hey, you know, this is what's happening. And, you know, it doesn't seem right. Um, and, you know, she didn't really pick up on it, but she said something that I really remember. She said, if you keep doing stuff like this, they'll take you from your home period. And I was like, that's what stuck in my brain. And so I went home and I just was like, this is how I get out of my home. And so I kept committing crimes. They ended up taking me out maybe three or four months later. And then I became a ward of the state of California. And Mm -hmm. so I moved to foster homes and group homes and I started living in that system. You know, I didn't mind it actually. It was better than my home. You know, I didn't know, I didn't even know until my late thirties, all the stuff that had happened to me because no one ever told me and it's been wiped from my memory, but you know, just really horrible shit happened to me. And I didn't know how to act and react in the world. And so whenever I went somewhere, it was always problematic, every group home. So I kept moving up in security. So every time you get in trouble, they move you to the next level of security. Unbeknownst to me, it was getting worse and worse and worse. The end of the line was Bob Shamrock's Boys Ranch. That's the end of the line. Then you go to juvenile uh, youth prison. And so I just, I ended up there. And it was the biggest blessing in my life. You know, he was the first man to ever, you know, be a man to me, be a father to me you know, keep his word. And, you know, that's why those things are important to me. You know, that, that meant a lot to me that a man would take, stop his world, give me that advice, stand by it, and then prove that, you know, that's how things are. How did you get into martial arts, Frank? Because you said earlier, obviously, yeah. how you got into a dojo, but how did you start to, to train? Because Bob told you to train your body and your mind, but did Bob basically teach you martial arts then? Or? Nope. Uh-uh. No, it didn't. Um, the, when I went to prison, mm-hmm. the sport we were doing didn't exist. When I okay. got out of prison, it was an emerging sport. And in Japan, there was already the Pancrase circuit and a few other circuits. So when I was in Folsom, I would have been 1993. Bob sat me down. I was just almost about to get out. I was in Folsom prison and he said, um, Hey, new sports coming. And there's all this opportunity okay. <laughs> and, he, and he sold it. Like it was wrestling. We didn't have TV. So we didn't know that yeah. the UFC had started. Like we didn't know this stuff was happening. We only, you know, we're in prison. So he sits down and says, okay. yeah, I said, there's a new wrestling. It's like wrestling, but it, you know, it's, it's tougher and you could do it. And he gives me like a pitch, like it's a new sport. A wrestling sport. Okay. Uh, so I didn't know. I didn't even know what it was. I didn't know you could tap. My first day, you know, the when I did my tryout, I didn't even know you could tap. I didn't know it existed. I, when I zero information. Um, so I said yes. I kept training, and then when I got out, um, Bob dropped me off at um, my brother's dojo, Ken Shamrock's Lions Den, and I did my tryout, and and that was it. And I was on the okay. team. Yeah. And that, that's how I started. I had no, you know, I'd never done real sports or I had no martial arts education. I knew nothing about martial arts. You know, I think I'd taken Taekwondo or something when I was seven at the community center or something. That was it. 
Yeah. Basically, I mean, it was a way for you to to make a living, I guess. Like try to yeah. make a living. I mean, I, yeah. <clears throat> I saw it pretty much as my only option. Really. Yeah. You know, it was, it was going to be a fighter. And Bob did have another option. Uh, my brother had also done stripping. He was very successful mm -hmm. at that. So he's like, hey, there's you can be a stripper or a fighter. Those are your two options. Because that's what he knew. Oh, man. Like, yeah, I'm probably not going to be a stripper, Dad. But <clears throat> I'll try the fighting thing. And, and so that was it. And I, you know, I was big and I was strong. I spent three and a half years lifting weights. So when I got out, I was 195 pounds of pure, solid, clean muscle. And, you know, most people don't walk around like that. No. That was a how were you able? How were you able to get like enough food for your body? Mm. Prison. Here's, here's your tip. If you ever go to prison, you have to work in the kitchen. Okay, I, I see. So you worked in the kitchen. kitchen in every prison I was in because they have access to the food. I see, okay. And how, how did you know what to eat, so to speak? Or did you have that, that knowledge back then? Well, I need to be eating clean, so to speak. Um, unfortunately in prison, you just eat whatever you can. Yeah, it's okay, very, yes, Yeah, it's very, very low grade, low pro, like it's, <laughs> it's, it's low quality stuff, but you can yeah. overcome it with kind of quantity. Yeah. And so that's what I was able to do. That's why you work in the kitchen. You can always get the extras and you can put stuff on the side. And so it became a whole lifestyle because I had to feed the machine. So I had to work in the thing to do the machine to feed that. Yeah, I understand. Okay. <laughs> but it worked. It I, worked. It. I, gained, I gained 30 pounds of muscle when I was in prison. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> Frank, I watched your documentary on YouTube. Bound by blood, blood hmm. for those are listening, and you can watch it for free on YouTube. That you damaged a lot of relationships throughout your successful career. For those young people out there listening, what advice would you give them in terms of fostering your relationships and building them, nurturing them, in order to not repeat the same mistake as you? You know what? I would say forgive yourself and forgive others. That's it. Because people that really care about you, they'll be like, dude, sorry. Like, oops, you're right. Ah. People that don't will be like, F off. But people that yeah. really care will be like, hey, man, you, hey. You know, and I've too many times turned away and been like, eh, forget about it. Because that's what happened to me when I was a kid. People were like, eh, you know, they shoved me away. Um, yeah. That's been a huge detriment to me. Because anybody who invests in another person, that's value. That's, that's, that's love. And, you know, you, you should lead with forgiveness. And if it doesn't work, then find another friend. Don't hold it inside because that's what will make you alone. And that's what will make people not want to be with you. You credit martial arts. We sp Earlier, we spoke of martial arts uh, for saving your life. And we spoke about life lessons through martial arts too. What are some of the top life lessons that you have learned and that you have drawn from martial arts? Or being a martial artist that, that you would like to pass on to, to the audience? Biggest lesson I've learned first is discipline. So that was a big one for me. I had no discipline. Martial arts gave me that. And when I say discipline, I mean, I train in martial arts every day, whether I do it with my body or my mind or my spirit, I'm still doing the same training because it's for me. And the minute it's for somebody else, it falls apart. And, and that happened to me on my journey. I got so big and so valuable that it started to be for everybody else. You know, and then I was like, well, this is not fun. Um, but if it's for you, if it's what you want and your mission's clear, 
that's what that's what it does discipline and then the thing i was missing in my life was honor i didn't honor myself i didn't love myself what does that mean frank that you didn't honor yourself i didn't honor myself i didn't treat myself well i wasn't kind to me i didn't speak good to me i didn't take care of me i i helped other people i did things but i didn't honor myself so mm -hmm. then when it came to honoring other people i was challenged how can i honor other people when i don't honor myself truthfully I don't love myself. How can I love another person and be kind to them and do all these things? And so through martial arts, I learned first to honor my teacher and, and the system and the community and find my love there. But mm -hmm. I, the big value was I learned to honor myself. I learned to, to, to love myself and go, okay, <clears throat> if that's the mission and this is what's required to do it. And these are the reasons why let's go do it. Like that's, I'm worth it. We're all, but let's do this thing. And that simple shift of, of just, you know, honoring myself and honoring my teachers. And I always had right. the respect because yeah. I learned the respect through beatings. So the respect yeah. was quite easy. <laughs> Frank, I'm listening to you and I, I feel, and I mean, I'm hearing, you know, that you're extremely self-aware and you're very self-reflected. Where do you think that has come from? Because, um, you know, I speak to a lot of people. I would say a lot of people are not self-aware. A lot of people are not self-reflective, self you know? I spend a lot of time with myself. And I spend a lot of time... Um, do you still do that? No. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I love being with people and I enjoy my relationships and stuff. But I genuinely enjoy um, sitting and thinking deeply. I genuinely enjoy sitting in the shade and just listening to nature and like being myself and being calm and just being relaxed. Like, I think, you know, so many of us are running around and, and we're just caught up in this energy of life. And, and for mm -hmm. me, it was survival. Like I was literally stealing and eating to survive, but for many people, they're just surviving. And, you know, it's crazy advice, but I always tell people, Oh, you need time, go to prison. You have all the time in yeah. the world to be with yourself and really either fall in love with yourself or <laughs> realize you don't like that, like be real with you and then do something about it. Like good, bad, whatever, like at least do something. Cause most people just go, Oh, I feel this way. And this is how I think. And then that's the end of it. And then it just keeps looping. Um, you know, even in prison, prison sucks, but yeah. we had a community. We lifted weights. We hung out. We, we all shared something. We all were together. We we're all doing our time, but we found our group. You know, we had valued things to give and share with each other. And because I was the crazy nerd, I had the most in the weightlifting area. You know, I go on. Oh, this is what I learned. Um, but Bob Shamrock used to send me bodybuilding books and nutrition books. Like he really was into the bodybuilding, so I really fell in love with it and studied it. And and I think that was a huge. Uh, value to me i know it was a huge value to me when i started studying martial arts because i understood mm -hmm. the biomechanics of the body better than the average martial arts guy did i mean i work with a lot of young people frank 20 year olds 18 year olds 19 year olds and so on and i see and i witness that they have a very hard time to be alone if they are alone they are always with their computer their ipad or their phone whether they are sitting in a park whether they're sitting in a room alone whatever what what's your best advice to a young person who wants to try this like hey i would like to be like frank i would like to like spend a little bit more time alone and try to get to know myself better 
what are some like two, three tips that you could give to, to, to someone like that? Yeah, the easiest way to be alone when you haven't been alone is to add some type of physical activity to it. Okay. This is disassociate your aloneness <laughs> and it will help connect your mind and your body. So, so you're not staring uh, on in the wall, basically. Yeah. So uh, I tell everyone to start, go for a nice long walk. Okay. No music, just walk and, and mm-hmm. think. And it's the best, it's literally the best, cheapest, easiest, fastest. I have corporate executives do this. I have kids do this. It's just, if you just break the noise, stop the energy, and then connect your mind and your body, the whole thing reboots and is better. Uh, Bill Gates walks every day. It's where he thinks of all of his stuff. Like all these big thinkers, they walk and they think. Yeah. Because there's, there's this relaxation where your, your mind and your body are working together. That's the best. Second best is to find something like martial arts or surfing or something that connects your mind, your body and your spirit, like something that is challenging for your spirit, socially, physically, like somewhere that that tests you, moves you or encourages you because then you're not in here. You're in here doing something. You're in your heart. And then you're, you know, then when you're done, you just feel amazing. Um, I do all of those things before I sit down and try to meditate and before I try to, you know, go to the next space because the next space Mm -hmm. is you got to get rid of all that white noise and slow everything down so you can, you know, get a nice feel going. I'd start with that walk. If you're really anxious, run. (laughs) I hike because I can't walk fast and I can't run. So I hike up mountains. That's what I do. No sound, no nothing. I just hike right up a mountain. But the exertion of that, the mind, the body, the spirit, everything it takes being in nature, I get done. It, I feel amazing, like a new human being. Totally free. You can't run, uh, Frank. Is it because of your knees or? No, no. I, uh, yeah, I, um, um, I broke my back when I was, uh, I think I was maybe 10. I think just before I left home, Oof. I fell off. I fell off my roof, my two-story roof, and uh, I broke one of the vertebrae in my spine. So before I ever did sports, uh, I, um, when I was 16, my right leg went numb, and it started dragging behind me. I went and saw a doctor, and he said, you yes. broken your spine. You need spinal surgery. You're never going to play sports, contact sports, and you're going to be in pain for the rest of your life. That's what he told That's me. That's horrible. Yeah. And I said, yeah, I don't know about that. I have this dream about being a professional athlete and a world champion. So do you still have pain in your back? Just by Every day of my life. Yeah. Oh, Every wow. day of my life. Still broken. The only way to fix it, I'd have to be in a body cast for a year. Oh, wow. And I was like, no, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Oh, my God. I have, I have a lot of respect for you, Frank. There's, the, like, wow. there's no year where I intend to spend yeah. in a body cast. Yeah. Yeah. So it just is what it is. But, yeah, it's constant pain. Um, but, like I said, I, I, the hiking is the perfect angle that works the muscles that are necessary to keep that yeah. region good. And so, but if I run, it's too much and it, it unbalances. I'm an old guy. When you're young, you don't have to worry about too much of that stuff. Anything yeah. that gets your heart going, you know, lets your mind relax. And, and if there's elements around you that are relaxing or calming, that's, that's the best thing. And then my next level is I want to surf. Like I want to go out and, you know, have nothing but the ocean and some roaring mm-hmm. wave and be terrified and trying to balance on a, on a stick. Um, I know that I know feeling. 
Yeah, I know for certain that my mind won't be thinking about stuff then. <laughs> it is true. It is true. It's, yeah. it's exhausting to surf. You know, yeah. you're like, oh, yeah. oh my God, I have to swim right. out now. Yeah, like fighting the ocean and everything else. But the the point is, those are fun, cool, great activities. We're not in here doing circular, negative, unpleasant, unproductive thinking. Out there, you're going, yay. And then when you come back, you everything's fresh. So those thoughts that you wanted, those creative ideas, they're going to be right there waiting for you. You know, those, those action, you know, triggers are going to be right there after you get rid of all the stuff. I, I resonate a lot with that. For those that are listening, like I am Frank, I love waking up early. Now I have a daughter who's just six months old, oh. but. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Thank you, Frank. Um, but I like to wake up early, bike, you know, to the gym you know, train, you know, just, it's very quiet in the morning in the gym. And there I do my thinking, you know, and I think, uh, you know, what some of my greatest ideas come like when I'm in the gym training, whether it's just lifting weights or training jujitsu. So obviously jujitsu is with more, with other people, it's more social, but it is true. Spending time alone is extremely underrated. Yeah. I think it's super valuable and, you know, like I said, if you don't, if you don't know yourself, how are you going to know other people? Yeah. You have a daughter, Nicoletta. Huh? Yeah. What, what type of father do you aspire to be for her? My job is to be the craziest and most available dad on the planet. Yeah. I just love her. You know, the, I've had, my son's 33, so he's a grown man. And having my son, it was one of the biggest catalysts to me getting my life together. And when I was in prison, I was yeah. like, how am I going to like, this is terrible. You know, I got to get my, my shit together. Um, and I had that wonderful experience with him as a boy, but yes. having a daughter as a man is one of the most beautiful and wonderful things that you can ever experience. And it's totally shifted my, you know, perspective on just being a man. So I, I really enjoyed that part. Um, and then I know my job. My job is to raise her up, teach her to be a great woman and a good person, you know, and then, you know, so she can run off and do her thing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I just love it. It's been wonderful. Very nice. Yeah. You're retired now, Frank, obviously. Um, you still walk, you give motivation, motivational speeches at Google campus and other prestigious companies. What else do you do now, Frank? Yeah, I'm mainly focused on my leadership um, program. Mm -hmm. uh, we call it the warrior's code and I've been testing it like five years now, actually. Um, you know, the hard thing for me is I've never sat in an office ever in my life. I mean, I, I don't know what corporate people do. It makes no sense to me. Um, but I understand cultures and I understand, um, you know, leadership and, and team building. I understand how to do all the mechanics of it, but I've never actually hung out with them. So what I've done for the past five years is hang out with them. Cause I'm like, I get all the problems, but I don't understand why we keep doing all this stuff. <laughs> and so now I understand why we're doing it all. And I understand the problems. So we've been uh, rolling out our uh, corporate leadership program. Um, and I just love it because most of these people have never experienced martial arts. So they don't even, they're, they're like, no, nah, that's stuff. They, they, they would never walk into a martial arts school. And now they're walking into mine and they're leading all these people. And so why, why I love it is I know when they go back and lead their people, they're leading them with the martial arts principles that I've just coached them with. 
So whether the, you know, people at Google know it or not, they're learning martial arts. (laughs) (laughs) It's beautiful. And it's going to help them. And that to me is like, without doubt, the big win. Yeah. So that's, that's what I'm really focused on. And I brought, um, I just stole my best friend from Google. Uh, her name is okay. Anne. Um, she, she retired from Google and she's going to run it for me because she actually is a corporate executive and knows, yeah. knows all the stuff. I know all the mechanics and I know all the, you know, I know how things work theoretically. So I'm super excited about that. And then, you know, speaking of martial arts, we do run a, um, a martial arts program through our charity. And it's for anybody who can't afford martial arts and anybody who's had trouble in their life. So similar to me, usually this is um, delivered directly to juvenile halls. So I go into juvenile halls and institutions, tell my story. These are all to kids under 18. And if you raise your hand, um, then you communicate with me. I'll pay for your martial arts training. Are there a lot of kids that raise their hand or they're too shy? No, we usually get one or two out of a batch of 20 or 30. Um, Most of them are too shy. Uh, I'd say about 10% of it does correspond though. And then out of that, we get another maybe 30% through the correspondence that then follow up. So like right now, we've probably got 20 kids across California doing martial arts. All the kids were incarcerated. All the kids were... um, you know, doing time when I saw them and they were told when they get out and they have their shit together, they can contact me and the school they want to attend and I'll take care of the rest. Oh, that's amazing. Yes, yeah, so that's what we've been right. doing. Yeah, so that's what we've been doing. And it's been really awesome because, you know, many of these kids are like me. They got nothing. They got you know, little hope. Um, yeah. But they're doing the work and then we're just trying to help them with, you know, with some of the tools. Frank, it's been such an amazing experience uh, speaking with you and and getting to know you and your story more and hearing your life lessons, which I'm sure our audience, you know, going to appreciate. Where can people find you online to learn more about you and the Warriors Code? I'm at frankshamrock.com and then I am at Frank Shamrock everywhere else. It's amazing. Everyone check out Frank's documentary as well on YouTube. I learned so much today, Frank. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Yeah, I enjoyed it very much. A lot of gratitude for listening to Fika with Bryce. I really mean that. If you'd like the show, I would love if you can leave us a five-star review, whatever you're listening to your podcast. It helps us so much to get the word out there to other listeners. If you have any questions or any feedback, I would love to hear from you. I'm just a DM away on Instagram or TikTok at Freddy Van Hyun. So looking forward to hearing from you guys. Thank you so much.